0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Utes. Welcome into a Monday edition of the podcast. And, Brian, let's, I guess, tear the bandaid off right now. What a weekend, and in all honesty, what a crappy weekend if you're a Utah fan.
1: I'm not here to sugarcoat things, Jake, unless it's like popcorn, you know, with a little bit of kettle corn sweetness or, or maybe some of that corn puff stuff that they make at, so, at Christmas that's so uh, addictive. Those are the only kinds of things I want to sugarcoat. Not my analysis and not how ugly that game was to watch. But you know what, Jake? Even in the the darkest of nights, the light will come. And there might have been a little... Pin, pin, pinpoint of light yesterday.
0: There might have been, yes. Uh, We'll talk about uh, Cam Rising, obviously. We do need to talk about the 33-31 to loss, so we'll dig into all of that ahead on the show. A quick reminder for you guys, though, if you want to stay up to date on everything going on in the Pac-12, make sure you check out the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. Cindy Robinson hosts it with a bevy of other co-hosts, Brian, among them. Get it wherever you get your podcasts, on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., it's a great way to stay up to date on everything Pac 12. All right, without further ado, though, let's get rolling here on a Monday. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for September 20th, 2021. Once again, you are Locked On Utes. This is your only daily podcast focused on all things University of Utah Athletics. I'm Jake Hatch, joined as always by my fearless co-host, Brian Brown, the brown bear in the chair himself. Brian, how are you, my friend?
1: Jake, we're we're fighting through it today. Uh, you know, I think sometimes Utah fans are like, "Well, you're you're in the media. You know, this stuff doesn't affect you." And listen, I'm I'm gonna be honest. Like watching that game last night for three quarters was tough on on me. I I show up for good offense. I want to see positive execution. I don't like it when the O line sucks like they did. I don't like it when offensive lines play scared. Uh, so I'm, I'm working through my thoughts today, just like everybody else, uh, trying to find solutions is not my job, right? My job is to tell you what I see and, and to try and implement some knowledge. Uh, we're going to leave the solution stuff up to the coaching staff, but I'm going to try and share some things today with everybody here so they can kind of get a grasp of what's going on. And, and, and then if you want to make solutions and, and fire coaches be my guest, just please don't tag me on, (laughs) on Twitter.
0: That's the one thing that, Okay, and by the way, just, uh, just a little PSA. I don't like being linked in tweets when people are ripping players, coaches, team officials, that type of stuff. It's just these people, their livelihoods are on the line in these games. And when you go after them and then you link people like Brian and myself or other media members thinking that we're just going to hop on the bandwagon and jump on and say, rah, rah, yeah, that's not how we go about things, guys we develop relationships relationships with these folks and you're right you can go about if you want to fire the coaches great go right on ahead but leave us out of it please yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's not my job. That's yeah. not my decision to make. I don't make Kyle Whittingham's salary. If I did, I, I would promise, I would promise everybody this much. It, it's not just the offensive line that needs changes. There's a lot of things that I've philosophically stated often and over and over again on this, on this podcast, try to be, uh, you know, expressive of it on Twitter that I would make those changes. Uh, Utah's grown a little bit stagnant. I don't think there's any denying that. I think everybody sees it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too is, is that I don't know that there's this kind of this concept that because we have the microphones, right. That we have uh, more power to affect change with those in power. And and that's just not, not the case, right? Like they're trying to take uh, power away from us all the time by not allowing us to be in practices, by limiting right. the amount of time that we get with players. Uh, and, and so there's this never-ending struggle between coaches and media, and coaches don't want to trust the media because somebody in the media has done them wrong. And and I understand it because over and over again, we see media members who act out of turn and, and don't really cooperate the way that you and I do. We understand the importance of the relationships, right? And so uh, I know that for a lot of people, it feels like it's validating to have Brown Bear or Jake say, yeah, I agree with you. That guy should be fired. Um, but it's like me saying, yeah, like fire me and just let Jake run locked on Utes. Like, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. No, right. You know? Don't. Yeah. And, and it's so it's just like you don't want to and, and nobody ever really wants to go after uh, co-workers or, or co relationships I I don't know how exactly because we're not really co-workers but like it's a very different company right like like the 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 way that we deal with information and exchange like you want to maintain those relationships Um, they're not competitors they're you know we're in the same industry same business like it's you know I I sell uniforms right so I'm not going to go out there and just trash Adidas because that's one of the companies that we represent Um, it's the same thing with coaches uh, that being said, I think we can identify that there are some serious things wrong up there on the hill.
0: Yeah, it's it's very evident. Anybody who's watched the past two games, you can tell even in going back to that Weber State game, there there's signs if you were to go back and watch that. There's very clear indications that all is not well up on the hill when it comes to the University of Utah football program. And when you lose to San Diego State in the fashion that you did, it's gut-wrenching. Triple overtime, Connor O'Toole comes inches away from tying that game up and would have extended the game for at least another play or two for Utah. It's an agonizing loss, Brian, because suddenly you go from preseason expectations where Kyle Whittingham, in his own words, said that this team compares in his mind to the 2019 team that made a run to the Pac-12 championship game. And then suddenly at the quarter turn of the season, the quarter turn poll, you sit at one and two. You've never lost two non-conference games. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Brian. Going back nearly 20 years,
1: yeah, it was 19 years. Uh, it, I believe 20, 2002 was okay. the last time that it happened. It's been a really um, long time. It has. And and none of this is familiar to Utah fans. I, and it, this is, for the most part, the bulk of the fan base is still relatively uh, new to Utah history, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there was a phase in the 90s where Ron McBride started to win and, and now into the 2000s and even more as the program's been more successful, more people have invested, uh, and you're just not used to seeing the team perform like this. But this is the problem with football. It is constantly evolving. You know, I had a conversation with Sh- short stack Ute earlier where he is like, where I mentioned, you know, like guys switching sides on the offensive line is difficult. Right. Because it's not always a, a, a parallel for some guys. For example, for me, I liked playing right guard. I felt a lot more uh, a lot more powerful with my my right my right foot back, my left foot forward. I can't really explain it to you. Um, you know, like trying to do left handed sets and left handed anything was difficult for me. And so anything that I played was always usually to the right and, and I was much better on the right. Um, some guys can be more interchangeable. You know, Darren Paulo a few years ago, he was much better on the left side, even though he started on the right because he was left handed. And we didn't know that until like he was a senior, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah. Um, but once he moved over to the left side and was so much more comfortable, it all made sense. Right. And so this is kind of these parallels that, that happen. but a lot of this is new momentum, you know, and, and we're seeing a lot of old, I shouldn't say old, but more tried and true stuff from the university of Utah right now. Right. Like I think one of the big comments that I caught to from Morgan Scally, uh from spring and whatnot was that they were excited to get back to man. And it seemed to me like that was counterproductive to me because it seemed like a lot of the zone stuff that they had done in 2020 had actually been more productive in terms of causing turnovers and whatnot, right? And, and so I wonder if there isn't a, a reluctance to be more uh, transitional. And and we've talked about it before with the spotlight coverage that Utah used with Jalen Johnson that ended up being so uh, successful. And we started to see Utah slant the D-line into the wide zone a little bit more Later on in the game, we saw Kareem Reed come in when Nephi Sewell was injured to make a big play, make a big tackle that eventually caused the fumble that Utah recovered. So you have all these questions of like, okay, why aren't we using our depth more? Why aren't we doing more uh, in in terms of evolving the scheme and, and why is it so reluctant? And I think some of it is just Utah has had so much success in the past. And it is very, very difficult when you've been successful at something to become different. Right. I think that's just really hard.
0: And that, that, that right there, Brian, I think you're dead on with that. And uh, the parallels, I think, are very, very clear here because you're right. The, some of the zone concepts that Utah used during 2020 were absolutely effective. But I think that there may be just the, the coaching staff is just a little reticent to, I don't know, overhaul is too strong of a term, but maybe to mold the scheme more to their personnel versus fitting the personnel to their scheme. Sometimes there are players who come in and they're better suited maybe to a zone scheme in terms of their ability to cover, et cetera, than maybe man on man. If you can adapt to that, go and do it. But I think right now there might be, as you mentioned, just a little bit too much of coaches have what they want to do and they're trying to get the personnel to fit into that versus what they probably should be doing, which is vice versa, and fitting their scheme to the personnel they have on hand.
1: I know this is going to hurt for Utah fans to hear, but if you look down the road 40 miles, you're seeing the team that has done that, right? They've they've introduced new concepts, and their guys are playing confident, and that's leading to victories on the field. And And we're seeing the opposite of it at Utah, right? Like, guys are not feeling like they're being put into positions to succeed. They feel like they're putting into positions where they have to work more. This is already a program where they really, really push guys very, very hard. Um, and And we're seeing that this is a team that got five games last year and there's still a lot of young guys out there that are learning and growing and developing and as much as we'd love to see everything just magically show up and, and be perfect and and this is not me trying to make excuses right like like you are the player you have to perform the stuff that's happening up front no excuses right? you know, and, and, and it's up to the coaches to take responsibility for that and make the changes. If they can't, then changes have to be made. There's no, not saying any of that. I'm not defending anybody here, but I want to point out what really exists in this world of football. And and for fans, it's such a transactional situation, right? You show up, you cheer, you get a win, you feel happy, right? Um, I talk about the, uh, the monkeys in in the book, the power of habit and, and how they hit the button and they get the blackberry juice and they're happy as fans were conditioned to look for highlights. We're conditioned to want wins. You know, all these things are so habitual and when they don't show up, we get up angry and upset when you're actually a coach. And, and from my experience, limited experience at the high school level, we had years where, uh, you know, my second year at Cypress, I thought we were going to go easily 500, and make the playoffs. You know how many games we won, Jake? One. I was going to say, one game. I'm
0: guessing one or two, so.
1: Yeah, we won one game, and it was a real dogfight to get it. And and really, the best game that we had, other than the one win, was a game against Hillcrest, and, and it was, you know, the seventh or eighth game into the season. Now, in camp, we looked great. We looked dynamite. Guys were playing. They were balling out. We thought to ourselves, man, this team's going to be great. Came out, struggled in our first game. Never really got the confidence back. And we had to really fight to make it through that year, and and that's really where Utah's at right now. And and we've heard talk about a players-only meeting. I think there is a, I don't want to say absence of leadership, but there is probably some reluctance and some leaders that are missing. And 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 I'll put this one on myself. Uh, you know, shout out to Lurchito Ute for bringing it up uh, in, a, in a DM question. Um sorry if if I'm going outside. Yeah, he mentioned we could talk about it in the mailbag, so so hopefully I'm not violating any trust by talking about
0: this. We need to talk about it. I saw it as well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so Brian, <coughs> let's hold that thought just for a second. We'll get to that momentarily because actually it's a very, very pertinent question. And it's more of a specific point in case with regards to kind of the bigger, broader theme that we've been talking about here. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, let's talk about our friends over at Prize Picks for a moment. I know many of you out there probably are frustrated, but if you want to have some fun with some prop bets, Brian, and I know you and I are both fans of this, we want you guys to check out our friends over at Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. It's absolutely incredible. A leader in college sports, daily fantasy in particular, they offer more props than anybody in the world and offers all the star players of the power five as well as mid major players you may not have ever heard of. And the best part about this, Brian, is all you got to do is pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win as much as up to 10 times back on any entry.
1: I don't know why you wouldn't want to play around with that, Jake. Like, you could throw darts at a wall and get l- less lucky doing that than you can doing this. It, it, it's a great way to have some fun. And, and, you know, if you're one of those junkies that just loves the Red Zone channel and loves uh, your Sunday or Saturday football, depending on, on which side you lean to, this is a great way to to really draw yourself in and get invested and be entertained. That's so what we're all doing this for is it's all about entertainment.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned the fact that it's college, but they also have all kinds of other sports, NBA, NFL, baseball. They've got it all for you guys, and you can do mixed sport entries. So, in, for example, you could pick a thing for LeBron James combined with Patrick Mahomes and maybe Cam Rising all in the same pick. It's really, really simple, folks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. You can do it online, or you can use their award-winning app. It's available on both the App Store and Google Play. Check it out, guys. Picks is safe and offers fast fast withdrawals as well. Don't hesitate. Check out PrizePix.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Picks is Daily Fantasy Made Easy. All right, Brian, as promised, let's talk about this question that Lurchito Ute sent to us. And I think it very much ties into the kind of the bigger, broader theme of what we've been talking about here that all is not well at Utah. And that's very clear. When you're one and two, nothing's going right. It feels like because your only wins over an FCS team, it just it doesn't feel right for Utah. So, let's get to the question here.
1: Yeah, it's a, an interesting question, and I'll apologize to people because I think when it, when the transfer happened with Orlando Omana, I, like I kind of glossed over it a little bit. And you know, even as as analysts, sometimes we don't see the entire puzzle how it works out. But he said. Hey, a mailbag question. How big of a difference would it be if Orlando Umana was still on the team? Would it be significant? And, uh, you know, I like, shout out to Luchito because he is a big fan of Orlando Umana, and rightfully so. I think everybody who had a chance to interact with Big O, uh, you know, loved him. Uh, Lando was a positive presence at the University of Utah, and I think... What we're seeing is is that we're seeing the vacuum of leadership that was created with a few guys leaving, right? Uh, Samson Nekuo, I don't know that he was a leader, but he was a well-liked guy on the team. Yeah, uh, Brian Thompson definitely was a leader, and, and we're, we're seeing some of that that being missing from the University of Utah, especially from the receiver group, um, a little bit. But Orlando Romano was a team leader. He was not just an offensive line leader, but he was a tone setter across the board. Uh, you always want more depth. You know, I think we're seeing some things right now where there are some guys up front that are playing through injuries, some that are maybe known, some maybe that aren't. And so because of that and the lack of depth across those front three, we've seen that Utah has been reluctant to make changes. Now, at the end of the game, there was a big change made, right? Um, You know, Van Molashenny, who has been good. Uh, was not able to keep up with the speed of that San Diego State defense. He was bumped out. Correct. Braden Daniels moved out to right tackle. Uh, Jaron comp is starting to adapt a little bit more. But we saw rotations throughout the game, and and maybe that's going to be the group going forward until somebody else establishes themselves and or guys can recover from injuries. But right now, Utah is kind of a mess up front, and and I think that this is absolutely a point where they're missing the the leadership influence of, of Lando i think they're missing his his positivity the the attitude the hard work that he brought to him and and more than anything i think what what's happened is that nick ford used to be the bully up front mm-hmm. right yep. he was the guard who could bounce side to side and knock guys off and and just be a physical aggressive presence well, now he's having to be more cerebral. He's having to be more under control, more reserved, and nobody else has stepped up to be that physical, aggressive enforcer. And so there is a very fascinating discussion to be, be had where it's, would Utah be better served if Orlando Amano was starting at center, even though he had limitations, and having Ford out there being that physical, aggressive presence.
0: It's a very interesting debate here because I'm with you, Brian, Uh, The interesting part about this is that offensive line, they're still not uh, in sync. It's the easiest way to say it. And Kyle Whittingham was a broken record during fall camp saying the one thing they was concerned about was the offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. And everything we've seen through three games indicates he was dead on. Those concerns there because I think in large part, many of the issues that Utah is having on offense they relate to just the failures up front, plain and simple. Quarterbacks can't get comfortable when they don't know where the pressure is going to be coming from. Offensive linemen, when they're not exactly sure that they're on the same page with the guy next to them along that offensive front, are going to struggle to adapt and pick up blitzes. Wide receivers don't know when the passes are going to be coming out because they don't know if there's going to be pressure in the quarterback's face. And running backs, they are told to hit a certain hole, but when that hole doesn't develop, suddenly they're being stacked up for a one-yard gain at very best, it feels like, and Man, there's a big debate here that if maybe Orlando Umana, him leaving, was a bigger miss as than all of us. You, me, everybody included, all thought it actually was.
1: Well, I think the most difficult challenge when you're in our seats is to read how much the intangibles really affect things, right? Because we can watch and we can see and we can analyze. Uh, It's the stuff where you're not in the building for the other 60 hours out of the week that can kind of get hard to interpret. You know, like I think Tim Tebow is a great example of it, right? Like, like, I don't think anybody would say that he was an elite, Quarterback, but he definitely had some moments in the NFL because intangibles were a thing, right? And and sometimes you get lucky with that stuff. Sometimes, you know, eventually at that level, your skill set reveals itself. And that's kind of what happened with him. Um, you know, with this Utah team right now, they are just missing that calming influence up front and, and they're missing the physicality. Nobody is playing really aggressively, nobody is playing with confidence. And I think some of it, too, is that the way that Kyle Whittingham goes about calling out his offensive line, um, which I'm not, look, I'm not saying they don't deserve it, right? Like the criticism is valid. Anybody can see that. But when you're starting to point out the fact that it's misassignments and mental errors, now all of a sudden guys they're in games and they're just thinking about that constantly rather than just going out and playing and being aggressive. I thought that was a big difference between Satawa Lomea last year and this year. He just went out and hit dudes. And this year it's it's all about thinking and and guys are getting their eyes cloudy, meaning that they're not getting good extension. And watching what's going on in front of them, they're not trusting one another, they're not communicating, you know, and a lot of this has to be nonverbal. So it's not always the easiest thing. Um, So for example, let's talk a little bit about just briefly, if if a guard and a center are working together, and and a defensive lineman tries to cross a face, uh, the guard and the center have to make an action to decide who's going to take that guy right yep. so either the center needs to punch him over to the guard and wait for the blitzing linebacker or the guard needs to bump the center off and and take over right so so one of those two actions needs to happen and what's kind of happening now is guys are just colliding mm-hmm. at the point of attack and causing worse issues and then the second part i want to add to that real quick like if you're hurt and it's something that maybe hasn't been talked about it's real hard to punch a guy off like if, if you're having a shoulder problem or or bump a guy off, you know, if, if you're you're having a groin issue or whatever the injury is. I don't know what they are, but I know that I've been injured before, and, and that makes those things difficult. And we're watching it live up front.
0: Yeah, we are. There's no doubt about that. Uh, anybody <coughs> who wants evidence of what you're talking about, Brian, the needing to get a guy off to another guy. Uh, you can just look about 40 miles south at what happened to Jaron Hall in the third quarter of their game against Arizona State. Uh, I remember the defensive lineman from Arizona State, but he about took Jaron Hall's head off on a play exactly what you're describing. So
1: it, it happens to every offensive lineman too, and I think that's part of why... We saw so much success when Cam Rising came in Mm -hmm. because he was able to buy himself some time with his ability to be mobile inside and outside of the pocket. He caused hesitation in the defenders with his ability to run, and he opened things up and and forced San Diego State to stop being so aggressive, and that allowed the, the offensive line to get some rhythm, some continuity. It still wasn't great by any stretch, but that's why... You know, we talked about it early on and I said my guy would be Cam Rising and 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 people are seeing it now.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, we do need it and we've spent a lot of time we're we're getting a little long here on this, but let's take a minute and talk about Cam Rising. I think he should be QB1 and I know that it's a small sample size Brian, but he came in and invigorated this offense. They do not rally in this football game speaking of the San Diego State game. I know it was a loss, but they do not even make it to overtime, and it may have been a double digit loss had he not entered the game when he did. He came in and gave them a jolt of electricity. He brought some life to that offense that otherwise I don't think they muster at all in that contest.
1: Yeah, and it was, you might even argue that it was just a second too late that he came in.
0: Maybe so, yeah.
1: But he was a lot. There's a lot to break down, right? Like, and, and unfortunately, we, we have only so much time to go in these episodes. This one is obviously going to run a little long, but I don't think anybody's going to mind. You know, the fascinating part about it is that the second he comes in, two things change. Very first play, Utah goes five wide, comes out throwing, gets him something comfortable. Why are we doing that with Cam Rising, but we weren't doing that with Charlie Brewer? That's the question that I'm asking myself. And, and is it... uh Coaches don't ever throw games, right? But I think there are, but things arise and and uh, plans change. And, and I think Cam Rising really threw a wrench into the plans at the University of Utah with his play throughout camp. I think the expectation was that he wasn't going to be that healthy. I think the expectation was not that he was going to be that effective and that strong. I think we've already, uh, we, and we've already discussed it with Cam Rising. He is a darn good football player. We still don't know his warts yet, right? Like, like we saw lots of good stuff from him. Uh, last week, we don't know what the trouble stuff is. Right. And, and so that's coming. We're going to see it at some point. Cause I agree with you. He needs to be quarterback number one. Uh, so, you know, like whatever it was that decided to change. And if they felt that his skill set just suited better for that kind of uh, thing, or if they were just like, you know what, at this point, we're going to do whatever we can to win. So let's go five wide. Let's spread it out. Let's pick up the tempo. All of a sudden, the offense is is much more effective, and Utah comes back, and it was a great game with a terrible ending. And I don't even want to talk about the Connor O'Toole call because uh, apparently, what a catch is is no longer something that I can define. And and you know maybe it's just like the Supreme Court ruling for uh, uh, as old Ted Lasso likes to say, "I know it when I see it." Yeah. About the offsides call. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, and, and we can talk all, all week, too, about uh, how much I hate the new o- o- OT rules, but um, bottom line is is that there's some good things going forward, but uh, somebody asked me if it was time to hit the panic button yet, and it's just like, well, I don't know. Like, if you're a fan, probably. You probably hit it two, two games ago, right?
0: I was going to say, you probably hit it uh, during that BYU game, if, if we're being honest here, but Plenty to fix. There's no doubt about that. But I think Cam Rising, he gives Utah a dynamicism. Is that the right word? Uh, just a dynamic ability, I guess is what I should say, at quarterback that Charlie Brewer was not offering. And maybe we'll be the fools and Charlie Brewer will end up as QB1 and impress everybody in a game in the future. I think it's time that you just give uh, Cam Rising a chance to really show what he can do because, Brian, you're you're dead on. We've seen such a limited sample size from him during his time as the quarterback at the University of Utah. We saw about a half of football in 2020, and we've seen about a half of football here in 2021. So we've seen about a game total in terms of overall snaps for a guy like that. I think it is his time to finally say, you know what, you're the guy, here's the control of the offense, let's see what you can do. And yes, we, we, we will see warts develop, but we, right now, as you mentioned, don't know what they are, and until you give him... An opportunity to really go out there and be the guy. You're not going to see them, so let him have that shot. Washington State, you should beat Washington State. We all saw what they did against USC. You should beat them. Let Cr7, let Thick Boy Seven, as most people like to call him. I still love that nickname, by the way. <laughs> he should be the guy this week. Let him take uh, take the seatbelt off of him, t- take the shackles off of him, and see what you got.
1: Yeah, let the bad moon rise and let it shine down onto this Utah football program and see what kind of effect it can have. Uh, that's that's um, we're on the same page here. I think most of the Utah fans that that listen and even those that who don't are on the same page as us. I think if nothing else, he gives you and buys you some time while still being effective to develop the things that are missing, and he gives you confidence because my gosh, Jake, like that dude when he's out there, he makes. I don't even want to say it, but he makes things happen, yeah. and you, you believe when he's got the football in his hands that you have a chance, and and we never ever really saw that from Charlie Brewer, uh, and I don't again, I don't think that's all entirely on Charlie, um, but it, it's time, it, it's Cam's time, it's time to let him roll.
0: Yeah, it's time to let him roll. We'll see what happens, but we'll keep you updated. Obviously, we'll have a uh, press conference audio coming up later today. We'll have another episode for you guys, and we'll hear more from what uh, Kyle Whittingham has to say with regards to his quarterback situation. And I'm sure there's going be plenty of audio we'll be able to work around throughout the coming week as we get ready for that Washington State matchup. All right, Brian, coming up here in just a moment, we'll round out today's show with some other news you may have missed over the weekend for the Utes. Uh, we'll catch up on all of that in mere moments. First, let's talk about our friends over at Sweatblock, Brian. I actually had a really funny conversation with somebody who asked me about Sweatblock recently. And they said, you talk about, and I I was talking about how we do these ads and awkward situations we find ourselves in. And they said, Jake, the thing you need to talk about is this is the situation that the whole Southwest want to get away spots are all built on. That's what Sweatblock is here for, folks. It's here to keep you cool and calm and just dry under the most adverse situations you can imagine,
1: life is difficult enough without having to worry about like you lifting up your arms and drenching everybody with your sweat. Uh, I've had to overcome that with just uh, hoping that people understand that being my size and, and the amount of uh, energy that I expend, you know, for, in my best Chris Farley impression, uh, that's going to be the name of the game. But guess what, Jake? If I'd have known about this in my, in my 20s, none of that would have been an issue. Uh, and, And I could have just lived freely like the bird that I was meant to be.
0: Absolutely, guys. It's an absolutely incredible product. It'll keep you dry for up to seven days per use. It's a clinical strength antiperspirant wipe. They have a dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block does not keep you dry... You get your money back, and right now, they're currently number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category, so you know a lot of people are giving it a shot. We want you guys to give it a shot as well. Get it online right now for 20% off at sweatblock.com using the promo code Locked On. As mentioned, it's also available on Amazon, and even is available on shelves at your local CVS pharmacy, but if you want to save that 20% off, it's only available at sweatblock.com using the promo code Locked On. All right, Brian, before we go here, how about we
1: break some news? I don't even I, – I. it's not even – Uh. I, it's not the NBA season, Jake. I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now. I am You not. don't have to carry us on this one. What do you got? Breaking news.
0: I like it. I like it. Get the air raid siren going. Well, uh, according to my source who feeds me information on all things Transfer Portal when it comes to Utah – Utah punter slash kicker Jared March is officially in the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, He's been a punter for most of his time at Utah. He's a redshirt freshman out of Twin Falls, Idaho. He did play in two games a year ago, and if many of you recall, against Washington State, he was the starting punter in that game. He has six career punts for 246 yards, 41.0 yard per punt average, with one punt landing inside the twenty. Obviously, uh, Utah decided to go a different route with their punter this year, so I don't necessarily think this is all that surprising, but Jared March is on the move, it appears.
1: Yeah, it's a credit to Utah's new punter, Cameron Peasley, that he stepped in and been able to execute for the most part pretty well. Had one minor slip up there against San Diego State where he stutter-stepped a few too many times. Lesson learned is he took a pretty good shot to the leg and also got his kick partially blocked. Uh, Utah special teams overall just another one of those things that uncharacteristically out of uh, out of sync, out of character, not performing up to expectations. Outside of maybe Britton Covey, really never uh, you know lost Utah the game in a lot of respects. Uh, gave up a, a touchdown on the kickoff, uh, missed punts or uh, well, yeah, missed punts and and missed field goals yep. and PATs. It's just, I think that's the part about this team right now and what's going on that's so mystifying to utah fans there's just not a single part of this team that seems to be functioning properly
0: yeah and you allow two kick returns for touchdowns in three games obviously something is broken there you mentioned the fact that Britton covey yeah he's been a bright spot in the return game especially on punt returns but there's a lot of other stuff to clean up there but jared march is on the move so wanted to pass that along to you guys and you heard it here first on locked on utes all right last thing brian uh We need to mention that Utah lacrosse head coach Andrew McMinn, the new head coach, has announced the addition of Sean Doyle to his staff with Doyle serving as assistant coach under McMinn's leadership. He actually comes uh, to Utah after coaching and playing under McMinn at Robert Morris University. So not all that surprising, but he is a Maryland native who's coming over uh, from Robert Morris University to join the Utes. I think this is a good addition.
1: Without a doubt, I, I think it's a familiar face for for Coach McMahon, and, and that really matters the most. Um, we see it all the time in coaching that you want to have people around you that you trust, and for good reason. Uh, you know, um, you're not going to see Coach Taylor out there without uh, his defensive coordinator. Um, you know, just doing things whatever the way I tried not to use a Ted lasso reference and I think uh you know between lasso and beard that that's a little too maybe we're getting a little too deep on it tonight um but it just it's it's Quinn Snyder right the same, same with him and and his assistance and how he's stayed close to Alex Jensen and everything like that you know I think we see the examples all over the place Cal Whittingham, Morgan Scalley, blah 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 um you know and and this is another East Coast recruiting tie which this program really needs I think that that combined with the growth of lacrosse here in state you know and now you're probably looking for a guy who has some experience either locally or 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 can come in here and build some ties locally because there is going to be a lot of lacrosse talent here in state that's developing Uh, but for the most part it's still going to be a roster that's going to be primarily east coasters
0: yeah there's no doubt about that but all coaches want their guys that's who they want to surround themselves with so i don't blame coach McMinn one bit uh doyle is a pretty young buck though so he has, I think, the charisma, the energy to build the relationship, relationships here locally. But obviously, Utah, you've got to fan out and recruit, especially back there on the eastern seaboard. And having these connections is absolutely going to be critical to their future success. All right, that is going to do it for this Monday edition of the show. Brian, any final thoughts from you before we take off?
1: Whatever it is that you're going through, keep going through it because the alternative is way worse than finishing.
0: Going through hell. Keep on going. There you go. All right. That's going to do it for us. A big thank you for your support. Please follow the show on social media Locked On Utes on Twitter. Follow Brian's work over at Brown Bear SLC. You can find me at Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, feel free to email the show anytime Locked On Utes at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been the Locked On Utes podcast for September 20th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys minana.